Now listen up, squad. <laughs> That's right. It's halftime. So you know what that means. That means we're busting out a $100,000 bottle of wine. <laughs> it's electrolytes, probably. <laughs> so I want you guys juiced up for this rest of the half. Next half. You know what I'm saying? I already opened it. I'm going to be honest. I've been, I, I dove in a little early. Coach, every time we open the bottle of wine, we lose in the second half. Yeah, but, but we enjoy it. <laughs> That's all I got. Thank you. <laughs> Coach, I'm sick of having fun. I want... I want to win. <laughs> Touche. We'll get there. We'll, we'll move to beer. <laughs> the Beatitudes! Oh, yeah, Beatitudes. Welcome to an extremely special episode of the Beatitudes. My name is Jeff Shufflebein. I'm one of the co-founding Beatitudes, a co-dude. And I'm so excited to be on our first off-site remote recording along with the tiny table. But the tiny table comes, of course, with a special guest that we'll meet in a second, but also with the co-dudes, Nick Eyebrows Besner. What's going on, everybody? Listen to that deep baritone. <laughs> Unbelievable. His voice changes right when the podcast starts. Yeah. Baby. Usually very high-pitched. <laughs> hey, everybody. <laughs> and then, of course, Paul, who's the man of a million voices, if I want to set you up, Colker. Why, hello, everybody. Yes, happy to be here. That's the one you went with. Yeah, huh? I don't know. You could have gone anywhere. You could have, like... <laughs> oh, hey, oh, thank you very much. <laughs> well, good. Well, this is, a, this is a real treat. We are actually in Austin, Texas. We have never been outside of our own studio, but it turns out they don't have tiny tables in Austin, so we traveled with this one. We brought it. We packed it. <laughs> and on the way down here, I remember we stopped for gas, and Paul said, is the, is the car locked? And I said, you bet it's locked. There's a tiny table in there. <laughs> <laughs> he said, yeah, and like four work computers. I'm like, those are replaceable. Touche, <laughs> touche. Uh, so we, are, we were invited guests, still trying to figure this one out, by the DCX community and the DCX conference that's happening about work and faith this week, we're in the middle of October down in Austin, and there's a bunch of really great keynote speakers here, and one of them happens to be sitting between my two bro hosts hey here. hey Jordan, this is Jordan Rayner. Welcome to the Beatitude. Dudes. It's a joy to be here, guys. Thanks for having me. Why awesome. would you say yes to this one? <laughs> I don't know. I did it. My assistant said yes. I, I, I don't know what I'm doing. No, I, I, I spent a long time buttering her up. I hey, there you go. There you go. You're doing a great job. That's right. Great Thank job. you, Kayla. Yeah. <laughs> No, so what? Uh, tell me about this whole trip you're making and what's going on for you on this this week. Yeah, so I'm on the road quite a bit these days, uh, talking about how our work matters for eternity beyond the typical answer of "Oh, my job is my mission field." Mm. I think a lot of Christians are there. We understand that our work matters because we get to share the gospel with those we work with. But what about beyond that? Right, because let's be honest, about 0.1% of the time we spend at work is walking somebody through the Romans Road. Does the other 99.9% .9 of time matter to God? Mm. And the answer in scripture is definitively yes. And so that's what I'm talking about tonight at DCX. That's what I'm talking about all over the country these days. Incredible. Wow. Your journey. How did you go yeah. from, I don't even know, you're a Floridian. Yeah, yeah, that's a thing. Yeah. yeah. Good things come from Florida originally. They don't just move there. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Tell us about your journey uh, yeah. growing up into now being a full-time speaker, yeah. author, You've got a lot going on. I'm, I think venture-backed tech companies, you've yeah. got a lot going on. Yeah, so venture-backed tech companies is the majority of my career. So I spent the first 10 years of my career as a tech entrepreneur, started and sold a couple of ventures. And it was actually about halfway through my my 10 years as a full-time tech CEO that this story really started to begin that is, is, is really the reason why I'm doing what I'm doing today. Uh, I was in the process of selling my second company. I was trying to figure out what in the world I was going to go do next. And when you sell 
two companies, the natural thing is, you know, you go start a third, right? So that was the plan. <laughs> right. Um, but I remember sitting in church one Sunday, hearing a sermon and feeling a tremendous amount of guilt, uh, a feeling I'm sure a lot of our listeners and viewers are familiar with of how dare I want to go start another business when there's a need for people to move to mud huts 5,000 miles away from home to make disciples of all nations and to go plant churches. And so um, for a hot minute there, my wife and I were really seriously praying about planting a church instead of starting another business. And by the grace of God alone, one Sunday after church, I had this godly mentor pull me aside. And he's like, hey, I, uh, I heard you're thinking about planting a church. And I think this guy's going to like pat me on the back maybe write me my ready first go, check like, ready to go. <laughs> and he just looks me like dead in the eyes he's like yeah i gotta be honest that sounds really dumb for you i was oh. like wow Ooh. okay yeah speaking, talking speaking about? the truth what are you talking about rick he's like jordan you're a talented entrepreneur i've seen you create jobs i've seen you serve your investors and customers with excellence why do you think you have to plan a church to do ministry don't you get that your work as an entrepreneur is ministry mm. and i looked at this guy like he had three heads i was like i literally have no framework for wow. what you're talking about and so he told me he's like hey listen here's what i want you to do with this conversation in the background of your head i want you to go back and read genesis one and two I'm like genesis one and two i've read genesis one and two a hundred <laughs> times right but I did, and what I saw changed my life forever. I saw that long before God tells us that he is holy or loving or omnipotent, he tells us that he is a God who creates. It's literally the first verb in the Bible. He's a God who works. And long before God handed us the great commission, which is indeed great, a non-optional command for every follower of Jesus— he gives us the first commission in Genesis 1, 26 through 28, simply to make this earth more useful for other human beings' benefit and enjoyment. So long story short, I did not plant that church. <laughs> I, uh, I went <laughs> and ran <laughs> another tech startup. And uh, by God's grace, for the first time in my life, felt fully alive mm -hmm. Monday through Friday. Because I understood that this work of taking laptops and software and people and office buildings and microphones or whatever and using it in a way that glorifies God and loves my neighbor as myself is intrinsically valuable. Even on the days when I don't explicitly with my words get to point somebody to Jesus, although those are many, even on the days when I don't do that, my work deeply matters to God and matters for eternity. So that was a game changer for me, man. And uh, it mattered so much that eventually uh, wrote a book on this topic while I was running that tech startup. Uh, and now I'm still involved in that tech startup. I'm still chairman of the board, but spending a lot of my time championing this messages, message through books and speeches and podcasts and all that good and stuff. And am I not mistaken? It's not like a small tech startup. This is a big deal. Yeah. 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 It's a, it's a Jesus sized <laughs> company. Yeah. Yeah. This is the 360. Yeah. This is a company called Threshold 360. Uh, it's a super, super fun venture. We've built what we believe to be the world's largest library of 360 virtual tours for public locations. Oh. So not residential real estate. 360 tours have been around for like, I don't know, 30 years of residential real estate. Yeah. But if you go on Google and find interior 360 imagery of a hotel or a restaurant or a shop or attraction, chances are good it's us that's created that content. Wow. We're Google's number one provider of this imagery is to the best of my knowledge. And so, yeah, it's a fun venture. I ran as CEO for two and a half years and now I serve as chairman. Jordan, I love this because so many times if you're talking to somebody who's like on fire for their faith yeah. and they want to do everything right, they start hiding from things like Google and big companies. <laughs> and 
We're not called to hide. We're called yep. to create and play in the world that we're in. Be so salt can, and light. Yeah. yeah. And here you are. I'm going back to your bio, but a two-time Google fellow. Yep. I don't know any other Google fellows. I feel very special to be two people. I don't either. I made you. it up. I'm just, <laughs> kidding. just kidding. Just kidding. <laughs> we're pretty good at that, too. <laughs> but then you, you step out into faith. Are you doing this while you have kids at home? What's your scenario when you're in that trajectory of your life? Yeah, yeah. So um, that is the that is the um, most unique job I have. I hesitate to say most important, uh, but I get to be the dad to Ellis and Kate and Emery, who are nine, seven, and almost four. We adopted Emery at birth four years ago. We're huge fans of adoption. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, listen, I you know work callings change as seasons of life change. Part of the reason why I stepped down as CEO of Threshold was my kids were young and traveling five nights at a time from Florida to San Francisco to go raise capital was really a grind, right? Travel I do now, I'm in Austin tonight for one night and then I get to go back, that works for my family. Uh, But this is a really sweet season of doing the work that I get to do in my office and doing the work I get to do downstairs and discipling my kids and raising them up um, in the word and trying to point them to Jesus. Incredible. Let's talk about for a second. Uh, how many books have you written and which one do you get the most excited about talking about? Yeah. So I think this is the fifth or sixth uh, that I've fifth written. Fifth or sixth. Fifth or sixth. <laughs> something or. like that. I know. It's called The Sacred the We either have a thousand or 200,000 followers. Exactly. <laughs> Give or take. <laughs> Give or take. Uh, I would say, man, it, it, the one I'm always most excited about is the one that I've just written. And so yeah. I finished writing this book. I'm excited about it because. I'm hoping it takes this conversation about faith and work somewhere. I think for a long time, like I said before, Christians have understood that their work has instrumental value, right? Mm -hmm. I go to work and I can leverage it to the instrumental end of evangelism and making disciples, which 100% yes, right? But your work also has intrinsic value to God, right? Your work has intrinsic value because you have intrinsic value to God. And so wherever you show up, there is value simply by you being there and bringing the Holy Spirit with you. You know, we we throw around these terms like secular. Lots of Christians describe their work as secular. Secular literally means without God. But we believe the Holy Spirit is dwelling inside mm-hmm. of you. The only thing you need to do to instantly make your secular workplace sacred is walk through the front door. Or log on to Zoom. That's it. And it's instantly <laughs> sacred, right? Yeah. Um, but so many Christians can't see this, right? Because of our our modern, very modern overemphasis on saving souls. And that's all that matters. And all that matters is saving souls and getting us all the hell out of here because the earth is going to burn it's up in the true. end. This yeah. is this is a lie. I would argue it's a heretical lie that demeans the value of this life, that demeans the value of our work with the material world to make the world more useful for other human beings' benefit and enjoyment. So my hope is that with this book, readers will see how 100% of their time, 100% of their life, 100% of their work can matter for eternity, not just the 1% of our time that we spend on exclusively spiritual tasks like evangelism Mm. and prayer. Yeah, so you're arguing against that kind of false division yes. there of saying, oh, spiritual stuff over here, and then ah, my, my secular work over here. That's exactly right. We, we are preaching in the last 200 years of church history, for the first time ever, we've begun preaching an abridged version of the gospel, right? Jesus came to save you and me from our sins. Every word of that is absolutely true. Right. It's just incomplete. Jesus came to save our souls and the entire material world, the spiritual and the material. And if that's true, then my work with 
the spiritual and material realms, saving souls, evangelism, prayer, and just taking this microphone and making a great podcast must matter to God because Jesus' blood paid to redeem everything that's around me right now. Mm. Jordan, I was reading something you wrote, and it, was, it kind of goes back to this like human need for control of every situation. And it was like, because you had this inkling and you made this cho choice, and all of a sudden your business or your finances were blessed, oh. doesn't mean God ordained that choice. Just like you doing the same thing over and over and suffering doesn't mean God is punishing you. And yeah. I think there's a beautiful reflection in there. Yeah, th man, I got a lot of uh, a lot of hate mail uh, for that for uh -oh. that devotion. What? You're getting some love mail right <laughs> yeah, here. Yeah, I'm getting yeah. some love mail right here. Thank you, Jeff. <laughs> yeah, I, I was I was writing this devotional about Jesus' words in Matthew, where he says that God makes it rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. Mm -hmm. God is good to his friends and his enemies, and there's a lot of practical application of that. Number one, it means that Christians can work with Christians and non-Christians alike. Mm. And number two, as you point out, Jeff, it forces us to decouple our success from our righteousness, yeah. right? I had a friend who came to me a couple weeks ago was like, um, hey, yeah, you know, I, I, I just felt the Lord telling me to quit Instagram, right? And I did. And when I did, my business exploded. And it just goes to show that when you work as under the Lord, he blesses that. And I'm like, mm, so much, right? Like, maybe, listen, listen, maybe God blessed you because of your faithfulness, right? But you, that's not a guarantee that God's not an ATM. No, if he makes right. it rain on the righteous and the unrighteous and is good to his enemies and his friends, then we can't look at success and work and point it to the fact that I had a consistent quiet time this week, right? God is good to us, not because we are good to him. God is good to us because he is good. Yeah. And it's Oof. all unmerited grace and mercy and favor. Did you tell your friend doom scrolling for two hours might have been part of the problem? Right. <laughs> might or, been. That or might have been it. Or if you free up all that extra time, <laughs> maybe right. you have more time to devote right. to your business. That's, right. yeah. exactly. That's exactly right. Yeah. <laughs> That's really cool. Well, listen, this is, a, this is a very strange thing to do because our audio here is not completely built out. But we want to... Um, we want to put you in this weird spot where you have to judge us. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Okay, great. But awesome. you do get to give unmerited favor and grace to whoever you want. <laughs> you, you just have to pick one of us is the thing. And I know you can't see my name on the pizza box or whatever I drew up here. Yeah, this is great. Remember the name Jeff over here in the corner. I so got you, Jeff. We have a little game. Yes. It's called Blessed Are the Joke Makers, oh. for they shall inherit the points. This is my new favorite podcast. <laughs> this, is yes. so this is so good. Normally, how would this normally work? Well, yeah, so normally what we would do is we'd pick a character card and then a uh, we have a card game where we have a prompt and so we have to answer the the card game as the character okay um we forgot the cards because <laughs> it's our first road, road show yeah first road show but jeff reached out to a few friends to uh, get prompts uh, yes and so we're going to use those prompts That's to right. initiate this game here. i love it uh, right, yeah just, we're going to make this one worth 100 points 100 points nice and even yep and just like who's lying. The yeah. points don't matter. And they don't. Well, <laughs> this is great. It's just personal pride. I will yeah. say we have a super fan that keeps track of our points <laughs> and all the stats around it. So it's amazing. Uh, we did talk about the points on the way mode. down here, so they kind of do matter to us. <laughs> yeah. We're, our we're the only ones that they technically matter. <laughs> so I matter only to. get to dole out 100 points. One 100 time, points. One person. One person. Yeah. Great. That's a lot of pressure. This right? is a lot of pressure. I think I can do it. Big tech company. I think I can do this. Yeah. All right. Because I just have a list here and I need to be random, give me a number one through four. Five. Uh, four. All right, so we're going to be a, a busy, and now give me a number one through ten. Ten. We're going to be a busy basketball coach. Okay. And we're going to be answering question one through four. Uh, two. As a busy basketball coach said, 
If I had a $100,000 bottle of wine, I would open it for blank. All right, guys. So you see here, we're going to go down the field. Sorry, the court. Get it. <laughs> we're going to run pick and roll, screen it over here, and we're going to open it for Jordan. <laughs> I like it. I like it. All right, listen up, squad. That's right. It's halftime. So you know what that means. That means we're busting out a $100,000 bottle of wine. <laughs> it's electrolytes, probably. <laughs> so I want you guys juiced up for this rest of the half. Next half. You know what I'm saying? I already opened it. I'm going to be honest. I've been, I, I dove in a little early. Coach, every time we open the bottle of wine, we lose in the second half. Yeah, but, but we enjoy it. <laughs> That's all I got. Thank you. <laughs> Coach, I'm sick of having fun. I won't. I want to win. <laughs> Touche. We'll get there. We'll, we'll move to beer. <laughs> I just became a subplot to him. Yeah, thank That's you for that. You, have to give, you could give 100 points to the subplot. You, you can. I, but I won't. Uh, <laughs> but I won't. This has got to go to Mr. Improv, Paul. Oh, uh, yes. Well Dude, thanks for good. playing along. I like the move to beer at the end. That was good. That was Pretend good. there's amazing music playing right now. <laughs> <laughs> Awesome. Jordan, listen, uh, for being our celebrity guest judge, we're going to give you a pair of socks. Now, this comes uh, from a company called Sock Religious. Okay. Sockreligious.com. You can find all sorts of cool socks. Right now, I'm wearing the Risen Christ. This Whoop. is amazing. Yeah. I mean, it's a conversation starter. I'm pretty sure these guys have on socks, too. But I didn't want to throw some, like, uber-Catholic sock at you. <laughs> so, we got you... The empty tomb socks. This is incredible. He is, he is I risen. I will likely be wearing these at my speech tonight. Yeah, this is yeah. incredible. <laughs> Amazing. Awesome. Thank you. This yeah, is great. So lots of options at SockReligious.com. And for any Beata dudes out there, 10% off. SockReligious.com slash Beata dudes. And we'll see you right after the break. Hey, y'all. This is Jeff Shufflebine. When Nick and I set out to start our new company, Undivided Life, we were really concerned about how would we cover the healthcare needs of our growing families. And we were so excited to find a company that fit both our medical needs and our faith beliefs perfectly. It's called Solidarity HealthShare. It is an ethical alternative to traditional health insurance. We're never part of sharing in the medical costs of anything that goes against the teachings of the Catholic Church, making it a great alternative for Catholics and Christians alike. Solidarity is very affordable, which is perfect for a large family or for a new and growing business like the one we've started. So visit joinsolidarity.com today so that you can get started with us. The team at Aquinas Wealth Advisors believes that good values and good returns are not mutually exclusive. Using a tech-smart and morally sound approach, they provide investment alternatives that align with Catholic teachings without sacrificing returns. These days, faith-driven investors are finding it hard to know where their money is going. They have no visibility into what their dollars are supporting, but there's a better way. Thanks to the faith and finance score from Aquinas Wealth Advisors, you can look into your current holdings to see what you're supporting and make a switch to an advisor that aligns with your values and gives power to your voice. Check out AquinasWealth.com today. 
Hi, it's Paul Kolker from the Beatitudes here, and I just wanted to share with you guys that I also, outside of the show, perform improv comedy on a regular basis with a group called Divine Comedy. So what we do is we come up with everything on the spot, so whether you're looking for faith-filled, fun, family-friendly comedy for your youth night, or whether you're looking for clean comedy for your corporate event, Divine Comedy can perform for your group and even get you in on the action. So if you'd like to hire us to come out and perform for your next event, check out DivineComedyImprov.com. Divine Comedy, an inferno of fun. Welcome back, everybody. We're sitting here with Jordan Rayner. So happy to have you with us here in Austin, Texas. Uh, and, you know, Jordan, one of the things you said in the first segment there, uh, talking about Genesis, and it's kind of put on our hearts to create. Yeah. Um, I think for me, it's like one of the things I go back to is we were created by the creator to create. Like yes. that's that, that kind of refrain. Um, so tie that into this new book you've got. Just let you go from there. Yeah, absolutely. So there's this nasty little lie running mm. around the church in the last 200 years that says that the Great Commission to make disciples has canceled out the first commission just to make cult culture, mm. right, that we see in Genesis 1. But when you look at the biblical narrative, this first—we have a dual vocation in the mm. present, right? The Great Commission and the First Commission that was laid down in Genesis 1 to fill the earth, subdue it, and make it more useful for other human beings' benefit and enjoyment. That First Commission becomes more difficult post-Genesis 3, but God continues to reiterate it and bless it, literally all the way from Genesis 1 to Revelation 22. Genesis 1, God says, fill the earth, subdue it. What does he say in Revelation 22, 5? What are we going to be doing for eternity on the new earth? Not sing, Lord, I lift your name on high forever and ever. Not recline in a hammock forever and ever. Revelation 22, 5 says, we will reign forever and ever. And Isaiah 65, which is the best biblical commentary we have on Revelation 22, explains what that means. You know what it says what we're going to do? It says we're going to build houses and dwell in them, create. Mm. We're going to plant vineyards, create, and eat their fruit. My chosen ones will long enjoy the work of their hands and they will not labor in vain. All the way from mm. Genesis 1 to Revelation 22, God's vision of paradise is not a vacation, but a vocation mm. co-laboring alongside him to, to joyfully, worshipfully create and make more of this world. Wow. So. House builders have a, a vocation there. What about uh, podcasts? Dude? Yeah, hey, I don't know. I think we're doing this on the New Earth. All I right. think the Piata dudes are doing this on I the New Earth. I also heard on the New Earth that $100,000 bottle of wine is going to be readily accessible. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> I'll see you on don't the bring, We're yeah, only yeah, going to have $100,000 bottles of wine. That's it. Don't yeah. bring it out at the end of the wedding. <laughs> no more barefoot wine. Yeah. No. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Wow. So that, that just sanctifies all of it, though, because, yes. I mean, if you're looking forward with the anticipation that, oh, it's not it's not as though we get a break from it, but now the labor is transformed. Yes. Then that transforms with the labor we're doing right now. And it's so hard for us to imagine what work will be like without sin. Right. Mm. Our work is so difficult. Mm. Thorns and thistles fight back against our, our work. But Isaiah 65 says our eternal work, our labor will not be in vain. There will be no vanity, right? It will be all honey and no bees. It will be difficult but fruitful, yeah. challenging but satisfying, right? And it's hard for us to wrap our heads around that. But you're right, Paul. If what God has created us to do for eternity is to work with him, mm -hmm. then we can rehearse the eternal 
today because God is with us in this room right now. I genuinely believe that what we are doing right now is a foretaste and a preview of what we're going to be doing forever. The only difference is the risen Christ might walk through that door and join us as a beatitude, right? That sounds pretty cool to me. That sounds awesome. We'll take any guest suggestions you have after that one. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, I, I, I want to also emphasize something you said in the earlier part of the show. Because yeah. um, you said uh, your friend Rick, right, yeah. who, who basically stopped you in your tracks and said, no, 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 don't, don't go off on mission work. Yeah. Stay and do what you do best, yeah. which was uh, entrepreneurship. Yeah. Well, entrepreneurship creates jobs for people. Yes. So getting to the creation part, right? But then people need jobs so that they can exercise this labor that you're talking about. So that you are creating what lets other people create. As an entrepreneur, it's almost a, a, an even higher vocation in that sense. I, I don't know if I'd say it's a higher vocation, but you're 100% right. Yeah, I mean, saying. I yes. might have embellished a little bit. Uh, but you're, I, you're yeah. 100% yeah. right. You are creating a canvas for others to work out their God-given gifts and yeah. do the thing that God made them to do in the beginning, redeemed them to do today, mm -hmm. and that we're going to be doing forever and ever. That, yeah. I can't think of many more vocations that feel nobler than that yeah. right yeah. um it's it's this is the thing god made us to do i would argue when you look at genesis 1 god was the first entrepreneur right what's entrepreneurship entrepreneurship is taking a risk to create something new for the good of others look at genesis 1 did god create new things yes right yeah. did he create for the good of others of course he did he didn't need to create he created to share his love with us did he take a risk now we're getting into some tricky theological territory, <laughs> but we do know this. We know that when God created humankind, he knew from the beginning it was going to cost him his son. Mm -hmm. So maybe risk isn't the right word. Maybe it's sacrifice, but God absolutely sacrificed to create something new for the good of others. He's the first entrepreneur. And so when we create in the world, when we make this world more useful for other human beings, we're reflecting his image as the creator God out to the world. And I think that's why like practice Praxis Labs and the, yeah. the redemptive framework, guys. right? Like the <clears throat> I sacrifice, we win mentality. It's like it's in us because it's in him and yes. we are in his image. Yes, that's exactly that's exactly right. To sacrifice as we work, to sacrifice as we create is to work in the image of God. Yeah. yeah. You got a book in front of us. What's going on with this book? I do. I do. This is uh, this is the what do we call this? The exclusive advanced copy. I don't yes. know, limited edition, yeah. whatever. But this <laughs> is coming out. Sign it for the beat. <laughs> hey, <man>, yeah, I, <laughs> so I wish. Yeah. So he can then you, give it away yes, tonight to right. somebody. That's right. His book. That's right. Yeah. So this is dropping January thirtieth, twenty twenty four. It's called the Sacredness of Secular Work: Four Ways Your Job Matters for Eternity, Even When You're Not Sharing the Gospel. So again, helping mm. the believers see how a hundred percent of their time at work can contribute to God's eternal future, um, not just the time we spend on exclusively spiritual tasks. Yeah. Well, and that it can all be offered as a prayer as yes. well. So we're, you're participating in the, the creation portion of things, yes. but then in a very real way, we can offer it as, as, a, as a redeeming, uh, you know, to unite ourselves to, yes. to the Lord. Yeah, Psalm 37, 23 says, the Lord directs the steps of the godly and he delights in every detail of their lives. He mm. doesn't just delight in you when you are praying to him. He doesn't just delight in you when you're writing a check to your church. Everything you do at work today with excellence and love and in accordance with God's commands is an ingredient to God's eternal pleasure. That's the heart of this book is mm. helping readers to see how that's even possible. Yeah. I think we're starting to scratch the surface of that with this book. Yeah. 
So let's dive into a, a fun thing. We do every show. We do a TBD question. TBD stands for the Beata Dudes. But the Beata Dudes. Yeah. We've, love we've it. butchered most of the words in the world. <laughs> That's good. I, can't I love say, butchering I can't the English language. I can't even say yeah. Beata Deuteronomy anymore. So. <laughs> <laughs> He's gonna, ridiculous. You're yeah. trying to get him to accidentally say it on I stage, know, aren't you? Yeah. 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 Planting these seeds. So good. Uh, but we have a Beata Dudes TBD question for all four of us. I love and it. I think it's in this whole vein of it's not just when things are good. All of us have had a job that wasn't our favorite. Some of us have had jobs that we really disliked. We've had bosses that were tough. We've had situations that were tough. So the question today is talk about one of your least favorite jobs or roles and some sort of virtue or lesson or learning that came from that. Like what did that do to prepare you, to grow you, to form you? Do you want to go first? Yeah, I'm happy to. Um, So it was my first internship. Uh, I was pretty happy about it uh, as a cost accounting intern. So I was an accounting major. I actually like accounting. I love it. Uh, so that so was not the, so that's a thing. That, yeah, so that's, that's a thing. thing. Yeah. People like that. Comedian. That's what that sentence sounds yeah. like. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's yeah. not in this book. <laughs> <laughs> However, uh, giving a like kind of young new person on the team nothing to do for an entire summer and then giving them five stars across the board was soul crushing. Like <laughs> it was absolutely Bananas, Bananas. as we said. Um, You know, people, for me, the biggest takeaway is people want challenge in work. Without Mm -hmm. that challenge, there's no, like, satisfaction of completing that job well done, right? If you're just saying, like, hey, you know, show up, watch YouTube, do nothing, that's not a very meaningful life. Um, So that was a very early and good experience because of the lesson. It's good. Yeah, what about you? Uh, so it's going to sound like a weird one. I, I had this incredible experience to intern in the white house, uh, under George W. Bush and everyone's like, oh my gosh, that must've been amazing. Honestly, it kind of sucked. Mm-hmm. Um, I had a really, um, cruel person that I was working for one of my, one of my many bosses. And you know, the lesson I took from it, I didn't take from it during the internship there was no good that I could see come of that during mm. the internship. It was only years later that I was able to look back on it and be like, man, that's when I learned how learned how to write. Like my job is basically to write political briefings for my boss to brief the president whenever the president was traveling. And I hated the job in the, in the moment. But the lesson I take from that now is, man, even when our labor is difficult, God is working everything for the good of those who love him, mm. Romans eight twenty eight. And you might not see that good for a long time. You mm. might not even see it on this side of eternity, but we can trust in his promises. And that's one example of how I've seen that promise come to fruition. That's cool. Yeah. And I want to thank you for all of your good work yeah. as strategy. That's it. That's right. That's pretty good. And for supporting the nuclear nuclear family. (laughs) Stole that one from Nick. He set me up for that. (laughs) Jordan, you spent that whole time in the basement. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) Chief strategist. That's it. All right. uh, Yeah, I'll jump in, though. Um, Mine is is pretty short and sweet, but it was one of like the first real jobs I had. I mean, I did part time little things here and there. And my my dad and his dad ran their own company. So every so often I would just jump in and do something for like, you know, three bucks an hour when I was a kid kind of thing. And and so they were teaching me those lessons. But my first job kind of out from under the wings of my family was um, I was at a tennis pro shop and I was just the like you know, sales clerk kind of person just up at the front desk there and, you know, booking, booking courts and things like that. And I mean, so it wasn't anything fancy. It wasn't even really that fun. I mean, it was kind of interesting at times, but, um, and I was, I was what, maybe 15 or something like that. And so 
in retrospect, even though I didn't really enjoy it that much at the time, I realized, okay, well, this is teaching me how to interact with a customer. And even if the customer is kind of a snooty, you know, I mean, like it was, it was very much that like, you know, up, uptown living sort of thing where it was just, yeah, they, they could be like, oh, give me this right now. And, you know, just kind of rude and uh, abrupt and all of that. And so just learning how to, how to roll with those punches and, and still put on a good face and all of that. Yeah. yeah. Good. good one. So my, uh, my one, Worst job, I always say this in my talks, I got a bad job at a good company. And it's because I don't ever want Frito-Lay to think I don't like them. <laughs> it's not you, it's me. Big, but but when the chips are down. <laughs> Let me tell you, it gets... Uh, gets seasoned. a little cheesy. So I worked in a manufacturing facility. I was in charge of three lines of corn product. My title for crying out loud was corn resource. Amazing. I stayed single that year. <laughs> <laughs> you don't say. You don't say. <laughs> and so what was interesting to me was I was the wrong fit for that job altogether. That's like an engineer's job to do what I was doing. And I was pretty miserable. But what I did do was walk the floor all the time, just talking to people and getting to know them and their story and understanding how hard their job was. I did jobs that were very difficult to do, like packing a line of chips looks easy until you do it for about three minutes and your arms are falling off, you know? <laughs> yeah. And so what I realized in that whole process and in the way that I received feedback there was that people see, they felt seen and heard by me and not that I was a manager that stayed up, you know, in the upper offices and just barked out whatever the next command was. The truth is I didn't know what the next command was. So <laughs> to look like I was good at my job, I walked around a lot, <laughs> but I learned the value of just truly seeing people for who they are and not, having any pretense or any any kind of layers to that uh, setup allowed me to be in real relationship. Yeah. And so when I left, I didn't miss the job, but I certainly loved my time with those people. Yeah, so, it's good. Yeah. Well, listen, this is a... This is a weird show, the, the Beatitudes. I hope you have figured that out bizarre. already. This is bizarre. What is this? So I don't know if you grew up watching The Simpsons ever, but The Simpsons has all this stuff at the beginning of their show. They do everything differently. Like there's different stuff on the chalkboard, different stuff kind of at the couch part. We decided when we started this show to have reverse Simpsons. We just end our money Monday shows differently than any other show that we've ever done. So we have to get pretty creative. Yeah. And today's ending is you're the host of the Beatitudes or right. whatever this show is called for you. We're happy to be your guests here to finish out the show. <laughs> yeah. So it's not to confuse the listener. Let's keep it Beatitudes. Okay. I, yeah. I, like, I, I told like, you on the way in. I, I knew new I favorite this podcast. Guy. <laughs> it's good with branding. New favorite podcast. Great brand. I, yeah, Solid no, name. This. So we've been talking about the sacredness of secular work and the ministry of um, all these jobs that make the world more useful for other human beings, benefit and enjoyment. Look around this room and it, it probably took hundreds of thousands of jobs hmm. to pull off this podcast Incredible. recording. Yeah. That's a really good Name point. Name a job that you are really grateful for, <laughs> for, for, for making this work happen. Christian or not, God's working through common grace through all sorts of people. Which jobs do you want to call out and say thank you for? Foundation work for a stable building. There you go. That's yeah. great. Yeah. Um, electricity, keeping the lights on. Electricians, go you. Yeah, yeah. I think like the timber men getting our tiny table <laughs> made out of wood. The wall. I mean, tiny somebody's table. cut... Somebody had to cut down a tree somewhere. Yeah. I it's love crazy. this. Uh, I'm thankful for audio engineers. Like, this is a miracle. Oh, I yeah. bet this microphone took... <laughs> man, if you if you go to the... Go all the way to the source of mining these metals out of the ground. This, this alone took hundreds of thousands of people. And God is extending his grace to us through the labor 
of people whose jobs seem totally insignificant, but that God is using for a greater good. It's pretty incredible to think about. Wow. Yeah, because it's so far removed from yeah. this immediate moment. So yeah. to stop and actually reflect on that is pretty mind-blowing. Yeah. There's a great book called Thanks a Thousand uh, by A.J. Jacobs, who's not a believer, but man, I wouldn't be surprised if he became one after writing this book. He His goal was to thank every single person in the world that was involved with making his morning cup of coffee. Mm. It's like a fascinating That's a lot of people. Yeah. Wow. He basically he basically came to the conclusion of I would have to thank every single person in the world. I'd have to thank Beyonce because Beyonce was playing in somebody's ear when they, you know, made this cup or like whatever <laughs> it was. Right. Uh, but it's a fascinating exercise in gratitude and also a really fascinating exercise to appreciate just how much God can do with seemingly ordinary work. Well, and that that hits on the scripture of I, I desire um Thanksgiving more than sacrifice, yeah. right? And and really, when we're doing this exercise, we're kind of looking at both because we're being yeah. thankful for the sacrifices other people made to help make this moment possible. Yeah. Wow. That's exactly right. Well, thanks for coming to my show, guys. <laughs> <laughs> Three-minute episode of all time. But uh, Thanks for allowing us to sit so close to you on your podcast. Yeah. <laughs> Just something about no this. No problem. This, this table really is tiny for yeah. those at home. Uh, <laughs> We've had some big boys on here, luckily. You fit the tiny table yeah, thank, well. Thank God I'm 5'6". <laughs> yeah. uh, I don't know if this is a reverse compliment. But <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, I dig it. All right, ladies and gentlemen, the final conclusion of this is stick around because on Friday we're going to have a bonus show. We're going to learn more about what Jordan is going to challenge you with to match what he's going to challenge the audience at the conference tonight for work and faith. Uh, on behalf of Jordan Rayner and all the Beatitudes, we're grateful to see you here in Austin, Texas. And for everybody else, we will see, see you, you in the Eucharist. God, God bless. Thanks for tuning in. If you'd like to join us at our undersized table, subscribe to the video version of the show on YouTube by typing at that's the symbol at, so shift and two on your keyboard, at the underscore Beatitudes on YouTube. We'll see you there. This podcast is part of the Spoke Street Network. For more great podcasts, visit Spokestreet.com.